The hell are you supposed to be? I'm vengeance. You're part of this too. How am I part of this? You'll see. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues. And to, this week we've been taking a we've been taking a kind of a week off to kind of reassess on where we kind of uh, want our podcast to go. But you know we couldn't we couldn't stop this week because we had a little film come out called The Batman, and uh, we are definitely wanted to talk about it. Uh, me being Benjamin Rayside and my co-host Ethan Wensloff. Ethan, how are you doing? I'm vengeance. What's going on, guys? <laughs> Very nice. Happy to be here. We are not alone, though. We have three guests here to talk about this film, people who really care about the Batman, and especially this film by Matt Reeves, because we we definitely saw something special. Um, joining us, we have my good friend since uh, high school, Nick Widener. Nick, how you doing? Doing good. Excited to be here and talk about the Batman and other Batman stuff. And then we'll be definitely get into it. We also have here with us Albert Duna. Albert, how you doing? I'm doing good, brother. Uh, excited to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It is it is our pleasure. And we also have joining us, little late addition, but definitely glad he's here, Micah Hat. Micah, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm so pumped to talk about the Batman. <laughs> and me too. I, I'm very excited because this is the first time we've had uh, other people on the podcast. And I'm I'm very interested to get a collection of thoughts from uh four other individuals including myself uh about this film so this film the batman was directed by matt reeves starring robert pattinson zoe kravitz paul dano and a collection of other big name actors uh coming in at two hours and 55 minutes if you're staying all the way past uh the credits and i just want to talk first my first question to we'll start with ethan because he is he's been here since the beginning your first initial thoughts of the batman dude i i loved it man just the whole tone they got gotham so well in this movie and just from start to finish you're basically in batman's perspective this entire movie there's like two scenes where you follow catwoman around but you're following batman bruce wayne this whole movie and i really love that take i love robert pattison in the main role and it was just so fun to see and like it really just brought Batman into a new light because in the other movies when they start, you see Batman all mystified. Like, oh, you believe that myth that Batman's out there? You think this creature exists? But no, he's just working with the police force right away, and it's just so fun. I, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. That opening sequence, and we'll we'll get into it, where the helicopters are shining the lights on the criminals so they can see the bat symbol in the sky and know that he's out there in the shadows is absolutely epic nick are you are you with ethan are you in his boat do you think this was done uh really well do you like this film yeah i think that probably the best part was that it just was like it felt like a batman movie right so it didn't it uh i don't know didn't just feel like an action movie or like a movie to make money it felt like a real batman movie and i'm um, being like being a, a comic fan i was able to kind of like see how it really played to like the effect of batman as a detective and like kind of both aspects of being a detective as well as a crime fighter and like having action and things like that. So I think that overall, I would agree. It was very like good and it was a really good Batman film. Albert, your first impressions of the Batman. Man, um, yeah, I walked out of the theater giddy. 
I was I was more than more than pleased with what I saw. And I think, as Nick said, uh, first and foremost, it's just a it's a really good Batman movie. And even Bat Batman aside, when I walked out, I thought that was a good story. It's a good story from start to finish. I was I was in. I was locked in. Um, they 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 grasp you in the storyline, and you're just there, and you're enjoying it. And then you throw in the fact that oh, also Batman's in it. You're having the time of your life. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Micah, your first impressions. I know you saw this Thursday night, so you're you're a little bit more fresh off of this than I would say some of us. What do you think about Matt Reeves's film? Oh man, I I loved it. I I loved how like you guys said it was a Batman movie and to just add to that um to separate it from the Dark Knight. You know the Dark Knight trilogy was a lot about the villains. This one focused more on the Batman and I I thought that they did a very excellent job with it. And that's actually that's a perfect segue into this because now that we've got our thoughts, I'm pretty sure it's overwhelmingly positive and as I I, I mean I've seen it online too. Like this movie is getting such high praise. And I've seen I've also seen some negative reviews, which I I, I would like to just read out a couple of them uh, at, at during this interview, because once we get into it, I really would like you guys to hear some of these people and kind of their thoughts on this whole film. But let's talk about let's talk about Batman. And Albert, I send this question out to you first. And what did you think about Batman as a character and also Bruce Wayne? Because I think it kind of focuses more on one than the other. How did you like that in this film? Yeah, you know, so I was, I got so accustomed to, to seeing the the three parts of, of Batman. So in the in the Nolan trilogy, you get regular Bruce Wayne as he's just as he's himself and he's hanging out with Alfred. He can just truly no filters be himself. And you got the Bruce Wayne in the public eye, where he's got to be this playboy philanthropist, just so that he's completely thrown off the trail of. Like this guy can't be Batman because of how, because of how out there he he acts. Then you got Batman when he's when he's in the cowl and he's he takes on this this vengeance, this brooding, kind of dark, dark character. Um, in this movie, not so much. And I love seeing that. And so, sure, I was disappointed, but I'm also kind of excited to see where they take this because he um, this guy he struggles. For Robert Pattinson, it looks like he struggles with whether or not he wants to be Bruce Wayne. I think that's pretty interesting. Like he genuinely does not like the character of Bruce Wayne. He kind of hates himself almost, and only wants to be in the cowl. Um, doesn't see the light of day very often unless he's visiting either Alfred in the hospital or he's trying to track down the suit. Like every time he's Bruce Wayne, it's it's the further the the what he's doing as Batman, which is kind of interesting. Um, and then towards the end of the movie, which I'm sure we'll get into later, but he says, I need to be more than vengeance because vengeance won't change my past or anybody else's. I hope that they explore that, you know, he has to do stuff as Bruce Wayne um, just as much as he does Batman. And I think he will because, again, he saw the disappointment in his father um, when he came out and talked about the renewal fund. Oh, they got um, they got resolved. But uh, that renewal fund kind of just went to all the mob bosses. So I'm hoping that he sees, okay, Bruce Wayne can have a positive effect on the city too. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm up for it. I'm up for this side of Bruce Wayne. It, it's different, but I'm not mad at it. 
And I'll I, absolutely that's a that's a great answer. And I'll open this up to all of us now to have just a general discussion. One of the things that was my favorite thing of this film that they did with Batman is the fact that they had him narrating. I think I think it was was it three times that they had him narrate or twice? No, it was three times. Yeah. Yeah. It was three times. Yeah, they have him narrate at the beginning, which is epic. And then they have him, I'm forgetting the third time, but they have him also narrate at the end. And I've got the dialogue here, but we're not going to get into it. But essentially, to Albert's point, it's him learning that he's got to be more than just vengeance on the yeah. criminals for this city. And just having him narrate and having it be almost almost exactly like you're reading a comic. Because in the comics, you got his thought bubbles up ahead yep. right next to you. But they've got him narrating in this film. It's something that's never been done. That was one of my favorite things that Batman had in this movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just that opening monologue when he's like, I am the shadows. That whole those first five minutes just to set the tone were absolutely awesome. Oh, man, that was that was probably my favorite part of the movie. The first like hour of the movie where it's just setting up Batman with. You guys are saying the helicopter flying over the criminals, shining the light on them so that they look up and they see the bat signal. Then they just fly away. The police don't even go for those guys. They just oh. they send in the bat signal as a threat. And then you it pans the camera over. You see in the shadows and you're like, oh, here it is. The big entrance of Batman. You're going to see him. And he's not there. But they think he is. Ooh. That that I got I got chills every time I, and it got me like four <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> yes. No. So I was sitting right next to uh, Nick and Albert, and right right when they pan into the first dark hallway with the guy with the pumpkin mask, I like started like grabbing Albert's arm and I was like, <laughs> "Me too." No way. But then he gets hit with the car, and you're like, "Oh, okay, all right, all right, I gotta gear myself up for that to happen again and again." Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I remember nudging Ben like, oh, dude, this is it. Oh, wait. And, then, and then nothing. And then, oh, this is it. This is it. And then nothing. But the fact that, like, it stopped the criminals in their tracks, like, just a simple light, and they're like, oh, okay. it wasn't even there. Yeah. That's it's, it's impressive. That's powerful. Yeah. And then the, the scene right before that where he was in the store, um, robbing the store, and then he's narrating saying, like, I got to pick people that I go after, basically. And then yeah. looks out the window, and you're like, oh, shoot, this is going to be the one that he picks. Mm-hmm. and he's not there and he goes outside and you still think like like you said you see the darkness and you're like he's gonna pick him he's gonna get him now and then he gets hit with that car and just runs off and then it just like he's gone after that he never shows up and it makes you expect to see him and it kind of continues that throughout the rest of that scene like you're expecting him there and you expect to be that the person that he's gonna pick but it just shows like there's so much going on in gotham like it sets it up so well being like this is what gotham is like there's so much going on that like not people don't care about like it goes under the radar and not even batman can fight it all because there's just like so much of it and this is what gotham is like so. oh, yeah. yeah and he even he even says it i think of the opening monologue how there's so much going mm-hmm. on in gotham mm-hmm. and it's hard to pick what he has to tackle some nights and yeah. that it was just so good to use the shadow as not only use gotham as a big character in this movie but to use shadow as a character in this movie i thought it was just so brilliant if I can, if I can add one more snippet, I'm gonna reference the Arkham games. Um, and it's it's a shame that it was this line was used in the Arkham games with this dialogue, but I'm happy it was. But it would fit so perfectly here. He gets in a conversation with Alfred, um, and Alfred's trying to prevent him from going out in the night. And again, this whole dispute. And Bruce goes, you know, when the mugger or the thief thinks twice, that is fear. That is what I am. Then they get into a little bit more. Then it's like his final statement is like, I'm the reason that the criminals sleep easier when the sun comes up. 
that, I mean. That is such a cold line. That is such a cold line. I feel like Robert Pattinson's Batman is is evident of that. Yeah, and even like in the Dark Knight, in the scene where Joker and all the guys are meeting in there, and they're like, he's like, there's a reason that you guys have your meetings in broad day. Yeah. Because you're scared to Batman during the night. See, Batman has shown Gotham <laughs> its true colors, unfortunately. Dude, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I also want to talk about a scene with him as Bruce Wayne talking with Alfred. Because at the very start, we see them, and he says at the end of their conversation, Alfred, you're not my father. I don't have we ever seen that side of Bruce Wayne before? I mean, that was like when he said that it like hurt me just because I know that these characters and their relationship together. But I don't know if we've ever heard him say, you're not my father. Yeah, definitely Alfred. not in the movies. We haven't seen that. Yeah. No, like, I, I mean, for, for those of us who've read the comics, has that has it ever been like that in the comics before? I I haven't read anything like specifically about that. I know that. And this is a little bit in the movies too, but there's this very much like struggle between Batman and Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne wanting to be Batman and not wanting him. To. It's a lot in the Dark Knight too in the end there. But I don't think that there's anything that I know of at least distinctly where he's like, "I'm not your father." He says anything like that. But I know there's definitely the ethic where like Bruce Wayne wants to do his own thing and Alfred's like, "I want to keep you safe and protect you," but Bruce Wayne's like, "Well, I'm gonna do this. this is what I need to do." But I don't know if there's anything quite as explicit as in the movie. I don't know. I was just surprised to see how just distant he was like Batman, like to what Albert said, Batman, he was just Batman. That's all he's focused on. No matter what, stop telling me what to do, Alfred. You're not my father. Get out of here. I'm also kind of glad that they kind of wrapped that up because it happens in one of my favorite scenes in the hospital scene between yes. him and Alfred. And they're both sitting there and they're talking and he, he's sitting there and he's tonight. I realized a fear that I didn't think I'd ever experience again, you know, losing someone I care about. Like, I love that scene. And I think going forward, we're not going to see that anymore because we're seeing a changed Batman, a, a Batman who cares about Gotham, who knows he has to be a symbol for hope for the people. Like we get that awesome scene at the very end when he is lifting that lady on the stretcher and mm -hmm. she lifts out her hand and touches his shoulder and he puts his hand on her hand as he's touching his shoulder. And he's like, I know what I need to be now for Gotham yeah to give us the strength to fight like yeah that scene specifically is just shows how different this Batman is is because it's broad daylight yeah thousands of people around the city's destroyed but you just have Batman on cleanup crew in Gotham just helping the people out and I just I love to see that it's like the public servant stuff yeah. there yeah I don't think we've seen much of Batman in any movie where he's wearing the outfit during the day and that's that's powerful right there and he's on like he's on cleanup duty too like he's <laughs> yeah he's he's <laughs> getting dirty in the in the mud he's, he's covered in just dirt and and he's lifting him on the stretcher he's working with the the national guard and yeah, uh, helping him move up. out all right so we talked about the main hero of the film batman now we're going to talk about the main villain of the film, the Riddler. His theme is the chilling theme done by Michael Giacchino. We're going to get into that too. But Nick, as have you ever read any comics that have to deal with Riddler? And also, how does this portrayal fit into, like, was this a good portrayal of Riddler, essentially? Yeah, so I haven't read too much about Riddler in the comics. Um, he's not, like, super popular, at least in what I've read. He doesn't have any, like, big story arcs or anything. Um, but I know, like, 
historically he's kind of more like he's not as dark i guess i would say so like if you like like watch original tv shows or the older movies he's more like a guy that was a green suit and has real crescent marks all over him or whatever right and he's kind of like that in the comics to a certain extent um as far as like i haven't read a ton like i said but i think that this portrayal was good especially for like looking at like a modern comparison to the rest of the batman villains and things like that so like if you look at like the old joker from like the original comics or things like that he wasn't a dark guy he was just a funny guy that like played jokes and stuff right or the old movies and i think that we haven't really seen a lot of riddler like modern riddler um so i think this was a good way to kind of like bring him into the like more modern batman like storyline because if you look at the modern batman like originally batman wasn't like this big beat-em-up guy who was a detective right and now he's kind of morphed more into that so i think kind of making a darker version of riddler um now is a little bit more uh it fits a little bit better with like the current modern version of batman and the rest of his villains because like like i said originally like the joker and batman were just like a detective and a guy that played jokes and like did wacky stuff right um but so the thing that i thought was really good with this version of the riddler was kind of like taking the serial killer kind of angle of it um because it kind of like portrayed as that as a little bit and kind of like the opening shot where you see him he's like standing behind the guy in there and you he's kind of like he's it's shocking right yep. i think that kind of playing on that and still using like his his riddles because that's really like what makes him such a good villain is he really brings up the detective aspect of batman right um and i think playing that into like the serial killer aspect as well works really well especially like i said with the more modern um, take on the riddler versus just being like a funny guy that has funny riddles right so i think that was very good um, in that aspect um but so like i said i think it's good that he they kind of changed him as a whole um and i know that the so the riddler like i said the old tv shows he was kind of like campy and like really goofy and stuff like that um <laughs> in the in the gotham tv show i do think he was a little bit better so he they kind of play into that aspect more mm -hmm. of having like riddles and things like that but i still don't think they take like the the like detective and serial killer kind of aspect into effect there so i kind of had a question for any of you guys that play the arkham games because i know that like he's a character in some of those does is he a little bit different than the um original like kind of goofy riddler in those or because i've never played them so just wondering what you guys have to say about that albert i'll let you answer that one the only thing i remember from the cutscenes is that he's really got to collect a lot of riddler trophies and yeah I, i've seen those <laughs> yeah, that's what i remember the riddler, the riddler so. trophies yeah yeah um in origins actually uh, we were just playing with ethan i was just playing with ethan and we had a his little short scene with the Riddlers is like very first introduction. And Batman doesn't even know who he is. It's not so much of like he's menacing, but like he's this irritation that you can't get rid of. And like his whole thing is he wants to prove that he's smarter than Bruce Wayne, which mm -hmm. I think some comics actually attest to that and say mm -hmm. his intellect is is in fact a little bit better than Bruce Wayne's. And which I mean, what a feat to have. Like that is yeah good on you for being smarter than the smartest man in life almost essentially um but it's like in the arkham games he really just wants to disrupt batman and it's just like yeah he needs this validation that he is better than than the batman which is just such a trope to have and so he's kind of just any sort of way i can slow batman down or interfere with what he's trying to do i'm gonna do it and so you see that all the time <laughs> like your your missions will be halted because or there's encrypted something and Batman's just like he's it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think to get him in a puzzle that is so that's so hard that just completely stops what he's doing is what he's going for. 
but he never actually gets to that point. And then you get uh, a guy like this who's essentially like a serial killer on yeah. social media. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. it's I mean it's different. It's definitely different. In and whole, I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just say in the whole time, like this, and, you know, we'll probably get into it later, but the whole time this really thinks that Batman's on his side, which I thought was a mm. was a super like just crazy twist. Like I was I kept saying Bruce Wayne, uh, excuse me, Bruce, Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, I mean, like, go ahead, Albert. No. I had nothing. It's just it's just baffling to me. Well, he did, he just gives like a very like chilling performance, like in oh, in yeah. the mm-hmm. in the prisoner in the prison scene where he's taken apart by Batman, like when he starts singing Ave Maria, uh-huh. like is it's like it's creepy and he's unhinged and he's like. No, we're doing this together. I, my, my, str- I don't have physical strength. My strength is up here. You know, like yeah. they need both of each other. And to a sense, you, even though he's a serial killer, and even though he's committing all these crimes, he's doing it to people who are corrupt. You get the scene where Commissioner Gordon and Batman are on the top of the, the rooftop, and Commissioner Gordon's like, "Well, I worked that case," and he's like, "Riddler's uh-huh. not coming for you. You're not corrupt." He's only going for people who are corrupt. And I like what you said about how he thinks they're doing it together. It's just yeah. so chilling and it gives such a good performance. I've seen comparisons. A lot of people like to compare the movies and uh, Heath Ledger's performance to Paul Daniels Riddler's performance. I, I don't really know if there's a comparison there. I but... can see because uh, both of those that uh, Heath Ledger's Joker and, and uh, Paul Daniels Riddler they both have that similarity where they both need the Batman for their own um, thing. Like Joker uses Batman for his um, for his own objectives, and so does the Riddler. They they both think that they're working together. They both need each other. That's why um, remember when he thought the Joker was upside down on the on the skyscraper, yeah. and he's like, "You won't do it because we need each other." We you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, yes, I think it's a good, like, uh, yeah, but I think it's interesting, too, like you're comparing them to is that this is what makes a good villain as well is they think like what they're doing is right. Right. So, yeah, they both think that like Joker thinks that he's revealing the true identity of Gotham and Riddler is basically doing the same thing. Right. And they both think like the Riddler thinks that he's working with Batman and bet because in the Batman, they're both doing the same thing. They're both trying to clean up Gotham, like you said, and kind of comparing it to the Joker. I don't know if he thinks he's trying to clean up Gotham, but he's trying to like reveal truly what they are to Batman or to the other people. So I think as a good comparison, like in that aspect of they both think that or they they're both kind of doing like they both think what they think is right. Mm-hmm. And then they um, both think like maybe not they're working with the Batman, but they kind of need him or they're working with him to fulfill their purpose or using him in some aspect. So. Yeah. And what they did really well with um, Paul Dano's Riddler is. He's uh he's a villain that you could see in the real world. I feel like mm. Riddler's character is mm. written so well that if a if uh, someone who wasn't right mentally um, would think that their stance is morally correct, like completely morally correct to do these things to reveal the truth, like like you were saying, then this character could totally exist in the real world. I can see that happening. And that's actually what's really chilling about. Paul Dano and his, and his performance is because a, a lot of this movie is very realistic. And even watching it, I just I just had that fear like, man, I hope no copycats spawn from this movie. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was I, a big thing with, with Dark Knight, too. Yeah. yeah. And going back to what uh, Nick said a little bit ago about how the Riddler was always portrayed as campy. Like for me, the most iconic Riddler 
is from the 1966 series. Mm-hmm. Just that Riddler and how goofy and uh, shenanigan-like he is. And then you get Jack Nicholson's Joker in the 1989 film. You know, that that was the Joker for people. And then Heath Ledger came around and set this new standard for being the Joker. So I think oh. Paul Dano really came and set the new standard for being the Riddler because we haven't seen a Riddler in years. So, yeah, like you said, it's the modern-day Riddler. But um, I really think he set the standard. And who knows, maybe we'll start seeing a lot more Riddler ad- adaptations coming soon. Just like, because since Heath Ledger donned the role, we've seen, what, three live-action Jokers since then, if we're counting the one that makes the appearance in this movie. Mm-hmm. So who knows, maybe a, Paul okay. Dano can... For Gotham. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yeah. Gotham counted, yeah. While we're still on the topic of Riddler, um, this isn't one of I haven't heard this gripe from a lot of people, but one individual in particular um, who really likes Batman and was upset because this Riddler was not like traditional Riddler, where he wasn't like more classy and suave and wore the suit and they had the the uh, top hat and the cane. And I was like, brother, there is no way to make that image menacing. You know what I mean? It's like they, yeah. they mm-hmm. had to do this, but they did it so well that it worked. and It was good. Yeah, that, that classic Riddler. Um, yeah. If we kept all the classic villains and heroes from way back when they were first published, mm. they they wouldn't hold up today. Like no, classic original Batman would not. If hold we're up talking today. classic Batman, in the first episode of the 1960 series, Batman goes to a bar in a suit and gets drunk, and then the cops <laughs> have to take because he's trying to drive the Batmobile drunk. Like you can't just be comparing everything to the classics. You gotta. Yeah. You can yeah. you can adapt from the comics, but you also got to modernize everything. Also, yeah, and I think in the, thing, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think the thing too, like, is that it kept the essence of the Riddler, but it made it more like menacing to fit in the modern perception of Batman, right? Because it kept like his riddles and trying and, and like keeping Batman on his toes and all these things, but it it changed like his appearance and kind of like the tone of it, but it still kept the it's still still the Riddler, but he's a more like dark and menacing Riddler. Yeah, kind of, kind of like what they did with Heath Ledger and Joker. Yeah, uh, like the Bat family calls the Riddler like a C-lister villain, right? That's yeah. one of the villains that Batman is like more than okay with, like his young sidekicks going up to fight. Um, but not that, not in this instance. In this one, I feel like this is no longer a C-lister villain. Like he's he's a legitimate threat. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think like Riddler. I think that he should be like for what he is, be a top tier villain just because of. Like, he literally takes the whole um, aspect of Batman being a detective and, like, completely puts it to the test, right? Yeah. But it's kind of, like, been underplayed, I guess, and he's kind of been put on the bottom shelf. But I think putting him, like, in the serial killer of Riddle was, like, menacing aspect kind of brings him to where he should be because it's such a powerful aspect of Batman. Like, he is the world's greatest detective, right? So I think that it's good that they kind of did that to kind of bring him back up to a higher level, I guess. Indeed. So now now we've gotten into the hero, and now we've gotten into the villain. And for a Batman story, let's get into arguably the third most important thing you got to get right with a film, a Batman film, is Gotham. And I, I know, Ethan, you are a big fan, and I, I know that all of us really are, but Ethan, I know you've remarked to this in particular. How did you feel Gotham was portrayed in this film? Dude, I love the way Gotham was portrayed in this film. Like... So going back to the uh, the 89 films is that movie got Gotham so well. It's just its own city. And then you go to Batman Begins 
and Gotham is done really well, I think, in that movie, too. But then in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, you can just tell that Chicago. There's some parts of the movie yeah. where it looks it looks a little different than Chicago does, but you can just tell it's Chicago. But this movie, this is its own place. This is it, I don't look at that and think, man, I've been there. It's just so dark, so gritty. And just from the opening scene with the, all the crimes happening, it's just it, it's a character in this movie. And I thought it was awesome. I, I mean, I especially like the scene where he goes across the across the buildings and you can see all of the the modern uh, product placement, uh, little Caesars on the side there. And then, oh, yeah, like, I saw that. Little... <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, yeah, get dude, that Batman pizza <laughs> that brought it right back to like real life. And I almost wish that you wouldn't have product placement in a Batman movie. But I think to your to your point, Ethan, I totally it was every until that happened. And for the rest of the film, I think that it was just completely its own city. And I mean, if you don't get that right, it takes away, like you said, the Dark Knight. I mean, he's going through streets that I have gone through. And while it's cool, yeah, when you go on those streets in real life <laughs> and you see that and you're like, OK, all right. Well, you know what? I'm driving on the same road Batman drove down. But you're right. Batman yeah. needs to have his own city and to be in a place where, you know, you haven't been before because Gotham is fictional. Yeah, no, yeah, driving down. Too. Oh, you can go. go ahead, Nick. All right, driving down Michigan Avenue, like in my head, thinking, <laughs> no, this is sick. This is where they shot the, you know, the uh, the bad pie chase scene. That takes away from Gotham feeling like Gotham. And shout out to Matt Reeves. I'll add this little snippet into for the uh, for the use of like signs and and big displays that say Gotham on it. That just further like contribute to it feeling like it's actual own city. You got Gotham Square Garden. I see that everywhere. And then they use legitimate Gotham landmarks like Iceberg Lounge. And you see the writing Iceberg on it. It just it was a, it was a good touch. You guys noticed the uh, the Batcave was uh, the train station, Grand Social Station? Yeah. Oh, that was really cool, yeah. too. Yeah. Yo, Wayne Terminus, bro. Mm. That's <laughs> Ethan's got Oh, yeah, Wayne Terminus. Sorry. <laughs> if, you're watching, if you're watching on video on YouTube, Ethan's got the Batcave uh, in the background, the Lego Batcave with with the Batmobile. So let's, I mean, was that a cool, I mean, we didn't get to really see the Batcave that much. We just saw a few, a few shots, but I mean, that's kind of a cool place to have a Batcave and a lair underneath the city in a yeah, underneath Wayne state. tower. It's not underneath his, his mansion. It's underneath Wayne yeah. tower, right? Yeah. Yes. At that novel ahead, they released before the movie, I didn't realize how key that would be to just some of the details. Like you don't need to know where the Batcave is, but just knowing that stuff that it's under Wayne Tower and that the the uh, the train track connects to Wayne Manor that used to be an yeah. orphanage, knowing all that stuff just enhances the movie and really would make some aspects of it hard to understand without it. I think it's funny that uh, canonically now this uh, canonically the Avengers Tower is in the same spot where Wayne Tower is now, <laughs> right above <laughs> <Yeah>. such a station. <laughs> You got to have the two most yeah. important buildings in each fictional universe right above oh, yeah. Grand Central Station. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick, did you have something to add about Gotham? Yeah, so I was going to just kind of like continue on the comparison of the Dark Knight's Gotham versus the Batman's Gotham, right? So I think the thing that like kind of makes them different is when you watch the Dark Knight, they, they kind of tell you it's Gotham, like kind of portrayed as a city that like isn't a great city, things like that. And you could be like, okay, this city is like Gotham. Like I could believe this. But I think with 
the Gotham that they portray in the Batman is like, this is Gotham. This could not be anywhere else. Like, there's no way this could be a different city. Like, this is only Gotham. It's that bad. It couldn't be anywhere. So I think that is kind of like the big difference. And I think that they make it really clear at the start of the movie that it's Gotham. Like, it couldn't be anywhere. And it's very distinctly dark. And then that allows them to kind of just, like, keep building on that throughout the movie. So I think that makes it a little bit more significant and in reference to like the rest of the movie versus the dark Knight, you're like, okay, we're in Gotham. But in this one, you're like, this is Gotham. And the whole movie is about Gotham and like what it is. So. Yeah. And I love how um, this version of Gotham is always raining at night. Mm-hmm. And that Probably. rain, that yeah. rain really set like the, the slight squeak of, of his boots as he's walking so slowly that just makes the whole atmosphere so much better. And the, just the, constant downpour of rain it's like a fire hydrant falling out of the sky in the, in the last scene he's got like little rain droplets as he's talking to catwoman bro and i'm just like i'm focusing on it like dang city's city's crazy the amount but of effort go ahead go ahead albert no no, no. I, want, I want to hear you ben well the amount of effort that matt reeves clearly put into this movie in every shot you're like Sometimes you can't make Gotham a character because of the limitations you have on set and maybe the amount of time you have to film the movie. But you could I mean, you could totally tell without it, without a doubt that Matt Reeves put care and effort into every one of the shots. And that's why it makes it feel so immersive. Oh, yeah. How many of you guys have played a, a little bit off topic? Lego Batman 2 DC superheroes. You remember that game <laughs> the Bro, it's, it's hey. Mike is Mike is wrecking it right now. If you watch the video, um, dude, it's always raining in that game. That's always in the free roam, and like, yeah, I just paid homage to that. I was like, you know what, this is legit. I feel like Gotham would actually be like this. Yes, it was definitely it was definitely very epic. I like I really I like that you point that out because I was just playing Lego Batman two the other night. I love that game so much. Now, so. I would say the other probably most important character in this movie is probably Catwoman, if I had to say anyone else. And she is given a lot to do. And I would say I don't I haven't seen Returns in a while, but they do give some like character development to Michelle Pfeiffer's version of Catwoman. But I think we have definitely seen and we haven't seen the last of Zoe Kravitz version of Catwoman. And I'll set this one out to all of you guys, whoever would like to answer this. But how? How did you guys feel about Zoe Kravitz's portrayal of Catwoman in this film? Because I think Batman goes through a character arc, Riddler goes through a character arc, Gotham as a city goes through a character arc, and then I think Catwoman is the other one who really does go through an arc herself at the beginning where we see her versus the end. I really like Zoe Kravitz in this role, and I love this take on Catwoman just because so many times you see Catwoman, it's like, oh, they're going to do long panning body shots of just her in this tight suit. And like, I, we did not get that in this movie. And I really appreciate that. Cause it's like, Oh, they got to over sexualize her, but no, they didn't do that. They focused on her as a character and gave her development. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, she was gritty. Like when she was, when they were near the bad signal like on that roof, rooftop ish area, and she was just piecing up that dude. I was, I was actually mortified. I was like, goodness gracious, this girl's got hands. Um, I, yeah, I love what they did with her. Uh, yeah. yeah. The anytime Batman can can kind of lessen the gun usage on any sort of character, it's kind of like a hmm, thing. You, 
uh, it's not necessarily stand outish, but just something you you think about, and like the fact that you know, he, I mean, she had she had ample opportunity to try to you know fight Bruce a little bit harder on it and just take out her father, which loved what they did with that um, Car- uh, Carmine Falcone being her yeah. dad. Like, that twist did not see coming at all. Oh. But uh, yeah, and then got, Batman just grabs a gun and you know just continuously is reiterating the fact that she doesn't have to turn in to what her father is or the people around her have been and you know she lets go of the gun and is and is okay with with justice being dealt out it's due process you know in, in the court of law yeah and he tells her that twice when they're on the rooftop and she's like let's just finish this guy off right there and he's and i love that they are making the distinction that this batman doesn't kill because that i think it's integral to his character we can talk about batman versus superman's bruce wayne all day but this one clearly mm-hmm. has his rule if you cross that line you know don't you've paid enough don't pay more by taking another life because he yep. like don't don't do that because it's going to mess you up I think twice. And the second time is when she's in, when she's with Carmine Falcone, when she has the chance to take him out. I also like as a, as a nod to the long Halloween, we get an Easter egg of when she scratches his face with the claw marks. If you've read the novel, you know that Carmine Falcone, Don Falcone, he's got the three scratch marks from Catwoman. So they, they do that clearly right there. And obviously Carmine dies. And I was surprised that they killed him as early as they do. Because he's yeah. a pretty major player, and now he's done. So I, in a way, I'm good with it because now we can we know that he's not like criminals aren't going to be the middle the main villains or like mob bosses, mm-hmm. and we're going to focus on like a super villain. Hopefully, I think yeah. is what they're going to go for. But I mean, Catwoman's story from beginning to end is also really really good. They did it respectfully without like as Ethan said without over sexualizing the character. Yeah. I think Even, that the thing that they did too really good with developing her character in like relation to Batman is that like in the comics and in the movies they're always like they always want to be together right but they can't because they have fundamentally different beliefs on how like you should justice like Catwoman will always be kind of a villain and Batman will always be the good guy right and I think they did a great job in this movie of like portraying how Batman's like he's not gonna break his rule like this is how he does it and kind of contrasting that with Catwoman and how she kind of wants like the same thing. She kind of wants to be good, but she can't like, she can't really get away from wanting to just do it her way and kill him or whatever. And Batman does a really good job like in this movie of like Ben said, not letting her do that and kind of influencing that. So I think they did a really good job of like contrasting the slight differences between them and why they can't work together because they just like Batman will never go that far and Catwoman just can't get on board with like being that I guess level of good as Batman is so I think they did that really well and then I think like at the end too um when she's like when she says like we could we'll do this together and whatever she's like we could be together and she's like but I think you're already spoken for like the city like you you need the city we could never be together because like I just can't like you're already taken and I already and I can't like get on board with um, like what you she just can't get to that point right she can never she'll never be able to reach and that's like kind of like the thing like they can never be together just because of that so i think they they uh did that really well and kind of developed that over the course of the movie and their relationship through there yeah it's it kind of looks a little bit more like a compelling take of like the rachel and bruce from the uh mm-hmm. from the trilogy 
and she, you know, she gives him the ultimate, not necessarily the ultimatum, but gives him this promise that, like, when Gotham no longer needs you, we'll be together. And Catwoman is, and they kind of do a similar thing, but she understands that Gotham's always going to need him, and he's always going to need Gotham. Yeah, so I think another thing, too, that um, someone mentioned before was how you talk, how, like, talking about Batman's one rule and how he, like, won't kill people, right? And I think a lot of, like, people aren't you super huge fans of Batman are like, oh, like he, you can't kill someone because there'll be another killer. Like it'll just be another bad guy. Well, I think this movie did a really good job of portraying it as like, you're not, there's not just going to be another villain. It's going to, they basically were like, it's going to change you and you're, it's going to push you over that edge. Like you'll never be able to come back from that. Not just like, oh, I'm going to kill someone and then I'll be a killer too. Right. They're like, there'll be one, I'll just be another killer in the city. They basically came on. We're like, you will not be able to, come back for me on that point because once you kill someone you kill them like you can't not be a killer after that point so i think they did a really good job of explaining that and making it very clear like why he doesn't have that rule and they didn't they didn't uh just tell us the rule and move on they did a good job of explaining it for us so i really love that line where he said if you cross that line then you're no better than they are that was that line was cool that was awesome <laughs> and Indeed. I mean, I'm a quote ahead. my I'm a quote my boy Frank Castle for a minute just because oh. you know Daredevil tackles the exact same issue. Oh yeah. Uh, you can't kill. That's just the two fundamentals to these characters. And just Frank Castle, he's once once you cross over to my side of the line, you don't get to come back from that, not ever. And you know, I just love, I do really love the element to superheroes not not killing. I think it just sets a moral tone for the character and that's why batman is so beloved and also why batman be superman ben ben affleck's batman wasn't as loved by a lot of people because that's the fundamental of batman and they kind of go away from that but yeah just the the struggle between killing and not killing is because you just murder someone yeah sure your problem's done you know that uh yeah. riddler won't ever threaten your city again because he's dead but you know the the weight that puts on a person and once you go that far you can never come back yeah. it's like what did it cost to solve your problem right it costs mm-hmm. you who you are right yeah and uh and under the red hood that confrontation in the bat in the bathroom with yes. Jason and batman uh he goes i mean it, dude, this is one of the most emotional and it's a it's an animated film of all of all films one of the most most emotional things I've ever seen in my life, and he's, you know, he's he's pleading with Batman. He's asking him like, why on God's green earth is this lunatic still alive? And he's like, I thought of all people that this man is killed. You you break your one rule, had it been me, and he didn't. And he's just like, Batman's like, you don't understand. It'd be too damned easy. He says, you don't think I've thought about killing this man every single day of my life? And it's that struggle and that that sticking to his code of honor is just. I mean, I wouldn't even if I were him. I I, I don't know if I could have if he killed my, you know, adopted son. You couldn't. It takes someone who is trained with the League of Shadows, and in yeah. this one, trained with Alfred to have the mental fortitude to <laughs> not take down a psychopathic killer who kills for fun. You know. Yeah. I love that you highlight that scene because it is the emotion I felt watching that the first time was so deep because we've hopefully never killed anyone. So we don't know what that's like. <laughs> we don't know what that's like. So yeah. it's like to to us, it's like crossing that line. You totally buy everything that Batman's saying. 
crossing that line is going to change you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Nick, you were talking about Catwoman and Batman working together. And I think this film plays with the, the police force and how, to a large extent, the whole police force is not with Batman, except for Jim Gordon, who's got to rein him in. And I'm wondering what you guys thought about that, because they have a whole there's a strange relationship that they have throughout the whole thing. And I'd like to highlight one of the scenes. And if you remember, there's there's a scene with Batman and a cop in a room and he's like, <laughs> yeah. what do you what do you do? What, what are you doing here? And Batman yeah. just looks at him and he walks around and, and he goes and tampers with evidence. He's like, you probably shouldn't be touching that. And Batman just looks at him. Oh, I'm wearing gloves. <laughs> the, the acting Robert Pattinson can do in the suit with his eyes yeah, and saying so his little eyes. words that he does is just his body movements, his facial expressions. He just is so good at that, just saying a lot with a little. Oh, yeah. Officer Martinez, the main adds. No, I just loved his loved his character as as small, but also big as it was because he he helps unveil the, uh, you know, the final the final riddle or his his um, what was it his con was this his final. Oh, shoot. Yeah, the, the guy in the apartment. Right? Yeah. It, the yeah, carpet tool. Yeah, he says yes. Thing with a real oh, yeah, thing. yeah. And then like, oh, it was my confession. That's what it was. He he helps unveil unveil um unveil Riddler's like final confession, which is you know the seven bombs. And yeah, as you guys said, it's, he helps Batman out. He goes, oh, a carpet tool. My uncle's renovating his house or something. Yeah, that I totally forgot about that. You're right. I, yeah. I've seen the movie twice now. Have we all? How many times have we seen the movie, Ethan? How many times have you seen it? Seen it once. once Twice. I've seen it twice. Okay, so three of us have seen it twice. Two of us have seen it once. I like what you were talking about, Ethan, about acting with the eyes. Because you remember, and, and a scene that sticks with me is the ending where Batman and Selina Kyle are driving down there. And she drives away. They, they both part their ways. And she drives away. And Batman looks in his mirror. And you, all you see is really his eyes and the mm -hmm. shot of him driving down there. He looks back. He's like, that's the life I could have. Going with her, it'd be a lot more fun. And then he looks forward towards Gotham and it's like, that's the life I have to have. I have to be the symbol of hope. So much acting with no dialogue and just, just visually, like I am such a fan of that. Yep. While we're still on his eyes. Um, I loved how they used his eyes to show how energized he was in a scene. So at the beginning, you, there was that super close up on his eye, like when he's taken off the the um, contact, the contact for the first yeah. time. And it's just red. His eyes are bloodshot so badly because he's so tired. And you see uh, throughout the film, his he's like his eyes are almost closed and they're it looks like someone who's just really tired, but is just pushing on because he has an objective. He has a goal to he has a, a, a goal for the city. He has an objective and has to has to do this for for Gotham. I've got to force myself to remember the days. They all blur together. Yeah. I love that because yeah. he, he's like, you you know why he stares so brutally at everything. He's recording everything. Yeah. Like, that is so cool. Come on. They do I so much for Batman's character in this movie. I really hope yeah. that they publish that book, that journal that he's making. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh, dude. dude. That'd be a good yeah. read. Like some days just at work, I'm like, man, what did I do on Tuesday? Like my days bleed together. Bro, so real. I really love that they have him journaling everything that happens. 
because of course you'd forget everything. It's yeah. there's so much at Batman sees in a day. And on top of that, you get good sleep in the night. He does not. He doesn't it's get not, sleep at night at all. Like that you sleep and can't remember what you did on Tuesday. <laughs> and right? just this little detail, the the black eyeliner around his eye. You know, we yeah. know we know every other Batman needs that around his eye just to make the mask look complete. But we've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Seen him take off the mask and see that. I just all the little details they put into this movie to make it as realistic as possible. I, I really appreciate all those stuff that Matt Reeves and all the actors put into it. All right, boys, we've talked about a lot of things that we really enjoy about this film. I just want to go through each one of us. And if you've got any gripes with this film, anything negative that you have to say, something that maybe could have been done a little bit better. Here's your chance to say it now. Micah, I'll start with you. Anything that you wish was a little bit better in the film? In, I'd say, close to the close to that two-hour mark, I'd say there was a bit of a slow. There was something that was going on where it was just really kind of not... It was it was in between clues, kind of. I don't, I don't remember exactly which part. I think around the, uh, the rat maze part. Mm. So nothing was really going... I mean, there were there were elements where it was... Like, oh, we need to decipher this code. And then they just all of a sudden knew that it was Radalada and that uh, things. But it was kind of established earlier. It's not a huge gripe, but a uh, little, uh, little nitpick there. Mm. Nick, anything that you wish was done a little bit better? So I don't really. So when I was watching, after I walked out of the theory, I was thinking to myself, like, is there anything they could have improved on or like that they missed? And I don't think there was anything that they really missed on or like anything that really stuck out to me. Um, the only thing that I could think of was really like I probably would have liked to see a little bit more of Alfred and his relationship. I think that would have been good, nope. but I don't think that it was necessarily bad that they didn't have that in there. I just just think that that would have added to it a little bit. So nothing really that for me to complain about, though. Yeah, if there's more time to develop the characters, like if they're still left alive and you know they're gonna have more time, yeah. you can kind of forgive it. I, I'm with you, mm-hmm. Ethan. Anything that you wish was done a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, going off what Nick said is I would have loved to see more of Andy Serkis in this movie. I think he's an awesome actor, and he was really underutilized in this movie. But, I mean, we've got plenty of Alfred in the other movies, like um, freaking Michael Caine is just, he comes to mind. I love his portrayal of Alfred. But, no, in this movie, I, to me, one of my favorite things about uh, superheroes with secret identities is the struggle between superhero and self. And I love seeing that internal battle. And this one really shot away from that is he doesn't really have this Bruce Wayne side there. He's not fighting it. He just has completely abandoned Bruce Wayne's side. Cause even you see him in, in the funeral scene, he's talking to Alfred on the headset. He's like, uh, no, Alfred, I'm just here because uh, the Riddler will probably make an appearance. Like that's why I'm here. I'm not here to promote self or um, keep up my public figure and my appearance. It's just, He's 100% Batman, and I'm really excited to see that evolve if they do do further movies, which it seems like they will. But no, just that I would have loved to see, and also just the the entrance of the Batmobile. First of all, the Batmobile is just awesome. I yes. love that. But the way they introduced That's it, sick. I I texted a few guys how I wasn't the biggest fan of that because you have the Penguin out in the rain and Catwoman out in the rain. And Batman could have easily approached him there, interviewed him there, talked to him there. But no, he's in his car revving his engine. And then as a result of that, the penguin gets in a car, drives away. And then they have this awesome 
road sequence. But on the highway, who knows how many people were killed by all those car accidents and the explosions. I just a pet peeve of mine is when superheroes go out of their way and intentionally put civilians in danger. And to me, the biggest other one that comes to mind is in Amazing Spider-Man 2. You Mm. have Peter Parker's Spider-Man talking to the rhino and he's driving down the highway and he's just casually talking to him in the driver's side door as the rhino is literally plowing through cars through the New York City. It's like, all right, that could have easily been prevented. So other than that, that's the only nitpick I have with the movie. Hmm. All right. All right. Albert. Um, <clears throat> I would I kind of just build off what Nick said. Uh, if you want to see more Alfred, because, I mean, that's Bruce Wayne's only friend. Uh, mm. And there's so much. There's some other. There's not the, the most scenes in any Batman movie with him and Alfred. There's definitely more than I think in this movie only had about like three, um, like three or four. And just to see more of him, I, I would enjoy more. Um, other than that, there's there's not too much. I, I wish, actually, I saw a little bit more of, like, Bruce's like hand-to-hand combat. Um, at least with a more, like, more notable, like, villain. Not necessarily a villain, but, like, fighter. Someone where, like, it gave him a little bit more run for his money. Like a bullseye. Um, yeah. <laughs> like a bullseye in Daredevil. It's just kind of nice or... Even a Frank Castle, because he and Daredevil get into it. Somebody who's been trained a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, I'm I'm okay with him. Like being, a Bane, a Bane-type character. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with him being in, like, a, in a group of street thugs and just hammering down. But um, even so, I wanted to see a little bit more of him fight. I mean, I've, I, I'm always going to want to see more Batman fighting. Because mm. I know he's mastered all forms of martial arts. Um, and so he's he's willing to throw down with anybody. Which this movie showed a little bit more. Like this Batman is so okay with throwing hands. It's it was fun to watch. Yeah. Just yeah. the sound yeah. effects in that opening scene when he's punching those guys with the the makeup on the. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> vengeance. That the sound in the movie is just. I'm sure we'll dive into the sound later with the music and everything, but it was just so good. Yes, absolutely. My first my first viewing, I didn't really catch any flaws or something that I wished I could have seen different. I, I, I've heard all the criticisms afterwards, but for me, it actually happened on the second viewing. And I commented on this when I left. I said, I don't know if this movie is really going to stand up to a repeat viewing. And I'm interested to see what Nick and Albert have to say about this. But for me, watching it a second time, at least this close to it, I found myself a little bored and I was a little just because I knew everything that was going to happen and some of the some of the mysteries, for instance, the scene with uh, Batman figuring out that, oh, my gosh, I think Riddler does know who I am. And he goes and he figures out, oh, yeah, wait, no, actually, he doesn't know who I am. That scene on a repeat viewing and there's a lot of scenes like this don't hit as hard because you know where it's going. So instead, it just be it, you feel what I'm trying to say is. You feel the runtime a little bit more for me, Nick or Albert. Did you guys did you guys have that same experience or was it still peak? <laughs> so I think that it was pretty good, but I do I do understand what you're saying like it, it does feel like you know what's gonna happen, right? Because a big part of it is the suspense. And one one movie that I always like go back to when I'm talking about like repeat viewings is Knives Out, which I don't know if you guys have seen that, but yep. it's a great yep. movie. 
Um, I think it's a great movie, but the second time you watch it, you're like, I know what's going to happen. It's not as nearly as good because you know, like the whole point of it is a mystery and you know exactly what's going to happen. All the twists, you know, they're going to be there and that can happen with any movie. But I think with this, like movies where the whole point is kind of solving mysteries, it's a little bit more prominent. And I still think that the second viewing, it was really good. Um, but I do think that it does take away a little bit from the first viewing just because you are experienced for the first time, but as well, you also know what's, what's coming. So. Mm. Yeah, so Ben, your uh, your fiance. Actually, I don't know if your viewers know, but your fiance. Um, she, Sam, she told me about your uh, your concern with that, and so it was something I kept in the back of my mind as I saw it yesterday with Michaela. Um, and you do you do feel the runtime a little bit more. It is something that's there, but to its to its um, not to its aid. This is now becoming a movie where if someone hasn't seen it. I want them to see it just because the mystery and the the riddles in it are so good that I want to see their reaction. Because in the theaters, Michaela was, was like, does does he does he know that he's Bruce Wayne? Is he is he actually going to reveal the the uh, his secret identity? And I was like, she was flipping out. Which I mean, for people listening, Michaela is not the type to be freaking out at a Batman movie. <laughs> but she was at the edge of her seat, and the movie does a good job of words getting slow a little bit. Um, it'll introduce a new clue or a new component, um, and just where it's a little bit slowed down, all of a sudden a car comes flying through and crashes, and uh oh, he's got to put on the cowl again and and see where this investigation takes him. So the runtime has definitely felt a little bit longer, but I think the movie does a good job. At, as soon as you start getting a little bit bored, it introduces something new like that and will pull you back in a little bit. No, I'm I'm with you. And it's not the biggest gripe, definitely. But it's just I found myself just a little just a little bit bored. But it's such a great first viewing because, you know, nothing. Yeah. It's so great. But that that's our that's our gripes with the film. And I just I just want to read something that because exploring the IMDb page for any movie is great. But especially you look at the one star reviews. Yeah, because <laughs> these phenomenal. Yeah, <laughs> just oh, some big these, bozos. <laughs> These and people. <laughs> before we before we dive too deep in all the criticisms that people have on the movie, is I just want to highlight Jeffrey Wright and his oh. relationship with Batman in this movie. Is we didn't talk about that yet, but yes, the Alfred Batman dynamic in this movie I thought was so special. And just the scene in the police station where he's like, oh, "You're gonna have to punch me," and I just love the music <laughs> oh, that in that great. scene. And then later when they meet on the roof, he's like. Man, you could have pulled that punch. He's like, I did. That's amazing. <laughs> Their whole relationship was so good in this movie. So hold, just just a quick note for that scene. Robert Pattinson actually punched Jeffrey Wright in that did scene. He? Jeffrey yeah. Wright said, I want just just so we can feel the realism, I want you to punch me. And it probably wasn't as hard as Batman actually punching someone. Uh -huh. But I just love that little attention to detail. Like, dude, punch me actually in the face. Like you're watching Robert Pattinson punch jeffrey right in the face Dude, for real that was that was a good swing and he i mean he fell on the ground after it. that was and that's another thing is the the four lead actors they were just so committed to these roles and the movie and whenever actors get so committed to a role as you know something good will come out of it yeah right there is that care that it's thrown into the movie by not just the creators but also uh but also by the actors this this <laughs> I, I really find myself laughing at, at this review 
this the title of the review one out of ten stars it says not better than the dark knight and it says just in case idiots don't know the dark knight is one of the top 10 greatest movies of all time this batman movie is not going to beat that i don't think this guy's even seen it no so he, people need <laughs> so people need to stop acting yet, oh man i'm like huh. dude Come I love on. how people justify Dark Knight being so good by just saying it's one of the top ten movies of all time. That, that's hilarious to me. Yeah. I feel like it should be someone whose job is to review one star reviews on on IMDb and like whether or not they actually allow it to go out there, depending on how legitimate the you know the the comments behind the one star yeah. review are. I always yeah. thought before you can review a title, you have to like go through a quiz. Like, oh, the movie, this happens, and this happens, yeah. and you have to answer all the trivia, because then there, you get people who haven't even seen it yet, just uh, Dark Knight stands, which, I mean, I think everyone in existence is a Dark Knight stand, but just people who are so gun-ho, it can never be beat. This is hands down the best Batman movie, so I won't even consider this being the best. And that's that's the problem with movies nowadays, is especially on IMDb, they get review-bombed. You get so many people that haven't even seen it just giving it one-star reviews. And it's like, come on, dude. It, just give it a try. Watch a movie and then give it an accurate score. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you. I did, there's one more that I want to – because this one's even better. Warning, this is an extremely shocking, disturbing, and violent film. It's like an X-rated shock horror movie. Keep in mind, the Batman Sega is for little children around 10 years old. Make it cool. No one doesn't like that, but keep the shot content for actual horror movies instead so, of scaring little kids. I mean, <laughs> I think we've just discovered a time traveler who's traveled from directly from the 1960s and has yeah. planted himself here. <laughs> oh, great heavens. This is a shocking movie. <laughs> like that. I've seen, oh, man, I've this seen is, way this is worse shocking like dark content like that. Have you guys yeah. ever seen uh, Knock Knock before with uh, Keanu Reeves? That movie is what they're describing right there. That is a mm. complete shock factor, twists every few seconds, and you're just horrified the entire movie. This is not that. That is not what it is. You know, no. if, I can, if I can quote Dwight Schrute real quick, um, <laughs> hang with me. He In one of the Office episodes, he says, nostalgia is truly one of the greatest human weaknesses, second only to the neck. However, <laughs> focus on focus on the first part though. This movie, I think, uh, is testament to how how true those words are. Because, um, I mean, nostalgia will will cloud so much in someone's judgment like that they grew up. With. It clouds my judgment even. I I'm, I'll be the first and foremost say it. it clouds my judgment even on the topic of Spider Man. Sometimes, like I'll have to sit down and think about it a little bit more. Like okay. Toby, Toby was awesome. There's definitely some nuance though that I gotta, that I gotta, you know, understand and admit to. But I mean, I'm seeing that a lot with The Dark Knight right now. Mm. Yep, I'm right there with you. So the soundtrack from this film, and I just want to highlight it just a little bit because Michael Giacchino, he does the soundtrack so and pretty much every other soundtrack lately. I mean, he is going off the rails. He just composed music for No Way Home. Yeah. He's a composer for Lost um, and Lost. many other films. Rogue One, I'm telling you, this guy does everything. Doctor Strange, you you name it. But this film, I think it, it might be his best his best 
film score ever because the batman theme i mean everyone knows it i saw this tiktok and a kid was sitting there like doing exactly what you just did no ethan and (laughs) so dude i mean it's so is is there a scene i just want to say is there a scene and i'll shoot this one to albert first is there a scene in this film where the where you remember sitting in the theater and you're like oh my gosh the music is so good at this scene dude there's too many there's too many one and I think it's because you mentioned the acting with no words and you're know, just seeing his eyes and his, his body language. But when they're driving off, um, it's starting to begin playing the Sonata of Darkness, I think it is. Yep. Um, and it's that one is like it's pure piano like uh, there's not too many other instruments. It's kind of just the piano version of the theme we already know and enjoy that we've seen throughout the movie. I think it was just so peaceful and, and so beautiful. And man, I and they're kind of like racing with the they're racing with the with the motorcycles too again in front of one another. And then they go through that tone together, driving off. He looks back. He looks forward. That whole that whole experience, the music playing in it. I mean, it's that, gotta be up there for me. Absolutely. At anyone else, is there a scene? I mean, Ethan, is there a scene that the music hits you really hard? I mean, I already highlighted it. The uh the interrogation room scene with uh him and gordon i love the music that starts playing during that scene i don't exactly remember it off the top of my head but i remember sitting in the sea like oh man this this is so good but also the, when the theme kicks in as he's just flipped the penguin and he's walking towards it yeah you know anytime yeah. the the theme kicks in and you hear his boots going it's just it gets you beyond excited Micah, do you have a scene yeah. that you I've highlight? Got, I've got two scenes. Oh, man, okay. I was waiting for this. So uh, in the subway scene, the it was like one of the first times we hear the theme when he's when he's walking in. The first time you see Batman full suit walking in, that scene, you know, that goosebumps all over. And then uh, the second one is we keep talking about the theme, but there are two themes in this. There's the Batman theme, and then there's also Ave Maria. Is that what it yeah. was? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, you hear that just about as much as the Batman theme. And uh, my favorite part where they use Ave Maria is in the um, the in Arkham Asylum with Paul Dano when he's singing it. And it it's it's like the third or fourth time we hear it in the movie. But this time it's it's a little off key. It's a little uh, a little weird. And it's it's just spine chilling, man. You're like, oh, this guy. Well, the first time I, I saw, I mean, I only, I've only seen Batman once, but uh, <laughs> when I was walking out of the theater, I thought that Paul Dano's Riddler knew that he was Bruce Wayne. I didn't know. I, I'm learning just now that he didn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. I thought that he had that blackmail against him. And I thought that him singing Ave Maria was like, uh oh, Batman, you better be careful because I've got this dirt on you. I know that you're Bruce Wayne. And I know all the stuff that the Wayne family has done, and if I can expose the Wayne family, I'm exposing Batman at the same time. And I thought that I was a huge like, uh oh, bet, yeah, Batman is is uh in trouble here. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Is there a scene where where you uh, think the music hit hard? I I mean I don't think there's any that like I can remember off the top of my head that really stood out to me, but I think that what it did really well was kind of like immerse me in the movie. So like it made me feel like I was there kind of to a point where maybe I didn't notice like any points where it stood out, but I think that it just did a 
amazing job of like making me feel like I am part of this movie. And you kind of to a certain extent didn't really notice it at a lot of points, but it made you feel certain ways even without like distinctly noticing the music or kind of taking you out of the scene so nothing really that particularly stood out to me but overall i think that it did a good job of immersing me and making me feel like i was in the movie yeah and yeah that's a credit to michael giacchino and the whole sound design team because not just the score was awesome but everything like you talked we talked about the boots hitting the ground going up like that little i mean you kind of get that in the mandalorian when the spurs of the mm-hmm. of his footsteps. I mean, it's iconic. Now now you have Batman joining joining that uh, joining that group. I think I think we've reached a point in the review. Unless there's anything else people would like to say, I'd like to go over our favorite scene in the film. So if there's any other comments that anyone would like to make about this film, about the actors, because we're gonna go through the big last two questions uh, of this. Uh, oh, actually three. No, I've got three here. So if anyone else would like to make any other comments, now's your chance. So yeah, I don't I don't know if we want to talk about the the Arkham Asylum scene with him and the mystery character. If we want to tackle that right now, just because be? I have Could one other mystery... thing that I was gonna mention yeah. about yeah. So um, one thing that I think we talked about this a little bit before was like the role of the GCPD in relationship to Batman, and I think that the inspiration for this movie, which is like Batman Year One and kind of like the older batman when he was first starting to be batman and there is a um, part in the batman year one comic which i don't know if any of you guys have read it but there's a, a there's a a portion in it where batman meets jim gordon for the first time and then um he's in a, he's basically hiding from the gcpd in a building right and they firebomb the building and like start shooting at him and he literally has to escape like through a hail of bullets and so i think that they kind of like did a really good job of taking the inspiration and kind of like putting on display in this movie like batman and the gcpd are not friends like they do not like him they want to get him and they don't like what he's doing so i think that was something that stood out to me like in taking the inspiration and kind of like the setting of where batman was at that point in his career as batman and using that to kind of have a role in the movie so i know exactly the scene you're talking about and that scene is awesome yeah Um, my things my thing with the gcpd is pretty similar i enjoy i enjoy watching batman interact with all of them and I love that in this Jim Gordon and Batman, like I wasn't expecting to watch like a buddy cop film or like to see buddy cop aspects, but I'm glad I did. And I'm glad it was with those two characters. And I love that in this one, they're working together. And I told Ben about this a little bit as soon as we saw the movie that we see them work together more so than just Batman doing their job, which he does in a lot of other movies. It's, I mean, he is the world's greatest detective. So the guy he kind of just takes over, but in this one, like he and Jim actually have to like work together and and converse and contemplate everything that they're seeing, all the different variables. I loved watching that. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, like how many times do they meet up at the bat signal in this movie? Well, like times. five, five yeah, times maybe. Yeah. Times. He I says, just I love seeing the bat signal signal used so frequently. Yeah. Did you guys also see uh, Batphone made an appearance? Which thing did it? Yeah, at uh, at uh, Wayne Bruce Wayne's manor. At Wayne Manor, there was uh, there's the Batphone when it's ringing. Isn't that? I mean, it's a rotary phone. Oh, was it red though? Yeah, at a red. I don't know. Add a red light on it, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> I uh, immediately that. I was like, yeah. oh, the Batphone. That that's I mean, it. They all have like <laughs> smartphones in the movie, so you know it could be the Batphone. Yeah, you think true. they wouldn't have that otherwise. Yeah. 
and I just I also want to talk about is just the the lead up to the Alfred scene with the bomb is I yeah. thought the the build up to that was so good and just the lack of screen time Alfred had is you were really convinced that like I thought for a solid minute of that movie they just blew up Alfred. <laughs> yeah, I was too. sitting there like, <laughs> yeah. what? The? No way. When, he, when he's but racing when, home. Yeah. I was like, no way they're gonna get rid of Alfred this early. There's no way. But yeah, I actually thought that, that they could have done it. Straight up, totally convinced that they killed Alfred. And because yeah. we were talking about it before, Ethan, Johnny, and I, before we left to go see it, I was like, yeah, can you imagine if they killed Alfred? And you're watching it go down, and you're like, no, they're not, they're not actually gonna do it, are they? Jeez. It's just a credit to to how well they're doing and how well. I'm, I guess this is why. Al- Alfred didn't have as much screen time because you could make that moment hit so hard. Yeah. But I don't think it's, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to add a little something yeah. uh, that I noticed on the second time viewing it. I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, I didn't really grasp that that chain door that he sees and then he opens was his parents' door. And so when he opens it, this is after, after the aftermath of Alfred being blown up and he's in the house by himself. He unlocks those chains and he opens the door. Um, that's his old his old parents' rooms. And he's on the uh on like the window not window, but on the mirror, uh hanging on is a uh, is a picture of him, his mom and his dad that he drew and it says mom, dad and Bruce. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Did not notice it the first time. Mm. Saw so the second time and was like, dang. That uh that hits. And it took him it took him almost losing Alfred to open up that room and uh kind of take a walk down memory lane reminisce on how important people he has in his life are yeah it could have been 20 years since he's been in that room like he may have locked that up right when right when they died and that's that's a big step for him to a big emotional step yeah all right gentlemen time has come i want to tell i want to know all your favorite scenes and i think you know we'll start with nick if you had to pick one scene Mm -hmm. in this two hour and 55 minute film that stands out to you the most, which scene would that be? So I really like the opening, the opening scene where he's walking through Gotham, but I think that my favorite scene was probably, it was kind of a short one, but at the end when he's leading all the people through the water with mm, the flare, yep. I think that scene just, first of all, it just looks so, like, it looks so beautiful. Um, and, like, they kind of show that in the trailers, but, like, as soon as I saw the scene, I was like, this scene is, like, it looks so good. Um, and then I think that, like, from the perspective of like the development through the movie he's he's leading these people and that was kind of what his whole idea was right for the whole movie he wanted to be what gotham needed and trying to help gotham and he realizes over the course of the movie that he's not what he has been doing is not necessarily what gotham may have needed or what like he says like it's been two years and crime has gone up right but this is kind of the point where he realizes like maybe i need to lead them in a different way and like he's leading the mayor like out of the water there he's leading all these people and he's kind of reached a point where he's like this is how i need to do it and he's changed his perspective on how he needs to leave gotham um so from that aspect i think it's an amazing scene and it kind of like completes the story and the development of him across the um, entirety of the movie and then i also just think like it looks so good that above shot with him yeah. and the lighting and it just looks so good so that would probably yes. be my favorite yeah, and that scene is really highlighted by when he takes down the Riddler copycat and he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm vengeance. It's like mm. that really yeah. hits Bruce in the way where he's like, man, 
these past two years, I have not been doing this right. Like yeah. you were saying, he's got to change mm-hmm. his ways. Maybe vengeance isn't the best way to save yeah. the city. Yeah, in the moment, he sees, he's like, this city does not need vengeance right now. It it needs Batman. Mm-hmm. He drops down to their level. And symbolically, you see the hierarchy of Batman leading, then the mayor and GCPD. It's pretty cool. Mm. Mm. Ethan, you bring it up. Mr. Wentzloff, what is your favorite scene in The Batman? There are so many. I I love the Alfred bed scene and the the interrogation scene with Riddler. But like, like Nick said, the ending of the movie is just so perfect and it's arc. But uh, my scene comes a little bit after his. It's, it is a stretcher scene when he puts the lady down on the stretcher and she reaches out and grabs his arm. It's just, it just shows Bruce and the audience how big uh, of a change he can make and who he wants to be now. I saw that scene was so touching. She's like, no, I don't want to let you go. You, you're my hero. It's like the city is embracing Batman now. Like they, they want him. Mr. Duna, your favorite scene in the Batman. No, I bet I have a feeling that you're going to choose the uh, hospital scene. Am I right? Yes, that would that would be my favorite scene. Okay, absolutely. I'm going to let you touch on it. Micah, can okay. you go ahead so I can find out a secondary? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I know that um, I know that was kind of skipped over a little bit, but man, that intro, that first like, mm-hmm. what, what was it, 10, 15, 20 minutes even? That opening. Yeah, that yeah. opening. Just the feeling that you got from, I don't think a movie has ever played with my emotions like that, where you look in the shadows, you're expecting Batman and he's not there, but you you like get the ooh ooh there he is he's gonna be there he's gonna be in that shadows four or five times in a row, uh if and then uh, a a close second for me is that car chase if it wasn't shown in the trailers I definitely would put it higher with yeah, the, I, the the practical effects explosion through the yeah that I was insane how they did that practically I know that crazy seeing the behind the scenes photos and footage of that is just they put so much work into the film and going back to what you you said a minute ago micah is that that is one of my critiques with the movie is how much the trailer showed us Mm -hmm. is because there are so many times in the movies where i could see the scene and what they were setting up and i knew where it was going with uh based on what i saw in the trailer yeah but they kind of have to put those good scenes in the trailers to to draw them in. And it's unfortunate, but um, we can always put blinders on in the trailers. So what's, what's I guess nice we about, have the option. What's nice about the fact that they showed us the, the cool scenes, I guess, in the trailer is that it means they kept the entire reveal of the story. Mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. Yeah. With yeah, the like movie itself. We needed to see that in the trailer, which I thought was, was nice. Yeah, like going know. in the movie, I had no idea what was going to happen. No, like, I knew yeah, the yeah. was in it. I knew Catwoman was in it. I knew Penguin was in it. I was like, what is going to happen? I had no clue, which I think is a lot of trailers. You know what's going to happen in the movie. So I think that, like you yeah. said, they kind of have to show some big scenes. But I think, like, from that aspect, it did a great job of not yeah. knowing what was going to happen. It, it wasn't at the expense of the plot line. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I went to Tinseltown in Aurora and, um, Right before the movie started, they had a sizzle reel from the movie. And if you had yeah. blinders on for the trailers, you didn't watch them. You're like, all right, I'm sold. I'm going to I'm going to go see Batman the opening night. You would have had, had it spoiled for you five minutes before the movie started. And I, I think that's a bit unfortunate how they, they keep doing this with movies now. Where on opening night, they have kind of major plot points, um, plot elements, at least in the in the um, 
the sizzle reel before the movie starts. Oh, yeah, Micah, bad. are you talking about the DC Universe thing where they showed clips from Batman, Black Adam, yeah, that uh, one. Aquaman, Flash? Yeah, that's strange. Because if you're not a trailer guy, if you're not going into the trailer, if you're going in blind. Yeah, what are you supposed to do? Cover your ears? Like, Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And your eyes. Yeah, just yeah. crouch under the seat. Yeah, right. Albert, if you have your scene, yeah. you can you go uh, you go ahead then. All right, yeah. Here it is. Um, and this scene comes after all the scenes you guys have said because I mean I put everything that you have said in mine, and so this is this is underneath that. However, it's not underneath it by much because this movie was so good and it's so hard to to pick one that stands out above all the others. But this one is a little bit underrated, I think. And it's when he has a talk with Carmine Falcone about what truly happened with his father. And in that scene, yes. when Carmine says, your father asked me to put the fear of God in this man. A couple of things are going on for Bruce. Uh, one, he's figuring out that his father isn't who he thought he, he was, at least seemingly now, based off Falcone's story, which, I mean, again, this gets resolved through Alfred a little bit later. But to see Robert, Patton, Robert Pattinson's face drop and the acting as there, where it's just, it's just it's, we haven't seen Batman look this defeated in the entire movie. Um, and he's kind of just, he's kind of just broken. He's not even Batman at this point. He's, he, he came in as Bruce Wayne and he says, Eric Carmine continues to say, you can only put so much fear in somebody before it, it, it's not effective anymore. And he's kind of just upset at that. And his face drops even more because that's what Batman is. He is, he is fear. And he, that's as much as he's going to allow himself to be because he's never going to cross that line. But now it's almost like a, oh, excuse me, it's almost like a <laughs> identity crisis. Like, am I gonna have to cross that line now? Is fear not enough to to make the change I wanted to? So I thought that whole that whole exchange was awesome, and the fact that Carmine was kind of lying to him too. Yeah, like that is, yeah, just putting Bruce through the the runaround. So I know John Turturro is a great actor. But mm-hmm. I've only seen him in the Transformers films. And if you've ever seen the Transformers <laughs> movies, you know that he is pretty goofy in those yeah. movies. So having him deliver such a such a nuanced portrayal in this film was so nice to me. And he hits so well in so many areas throughout that whole film. Just him. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, Bruce. Like yeah. having him and, and, and the backstory of having him saved by Thomas Wayne. That's uh-huh. straight out of the long Halloween too, which was awesome. Like I, I was so nice. Like it was so nice. Cause I just read it before the movie. Yeah, I know I'm stupid. I should have read it way before then, but I read it and it totally was the same backstory. So having that be in there as a cool little Easter egg and having that performance there was really, really nice. Um, I'm yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say for me, the hospital scene is my favorite scene because I am a sucker for, uh, very emotional scenes or very touching scenes in movies. If a scene can make me like emotional or, or like at least teary eyed, then the movie has done something right. And that scene definitely did his whole monologue about having the fear that he's not, he hasn't felt since his parents died and having that, like that friend there go undergo like this horrible trauma. Like I never thought I'd feel that again. And he lifts out his hand to Bruce and they like touch hands. And then at the end of the scene, you see him look and they both stare at the bat symbol and you have that little moment and it's so perfect. And 
then he has to go away and he has to be Batman mm-hmm. again. But that scene is so touching and it 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 moved me more than any other scene did in the movie. And it was like, I'm so excited to see them going forward because Andy Serkis is a great actor and so is Robert Pattinson. And so seeing that little quiet exchange in mm-hmm. really a roller coaster of a movie going from crime scene to crime scene, it was really, really nice. I don't know. I really like that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie is a lot of the other movies is they feel like in the first movie they have to have Batman's full arc completed. But this one, you don't necessarily get the full arc. You don't get the full relationship between Alfred and Bruce and you don't get the full Bruce side of things and you don't get Batman in his best physical form. You see him struggling in that final fight. And I really love the detail of that because if they do end up making a trilogy trilogy with Pattison, I think it'll be really satisfying to see the full arc. And then in the third movie, seeing him be the fullest form of Batman, I think would be so satisfying. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Eman, because I think back to the Nolan trilogy and the character of Batman is pretty consistent throughout all three movies. Like we haven't seen a change in Batman like we have in just this singular movie, which I think is impressive. Hmm. And I, I, Ethan, I really like how you're bringing up the future because that that's the next that's the next question we go through right now. Um, and I we're definitely going to talk about the scene in the prison. Um, a lot of people have been talking and saying that that scene felt tacked on or like an MCU post credit scene. But I, I think I sent some of you guys a video about why that scene is in there because you have this person and I have the dialogue actually pulled up and we because i know we were struggling through oh what did he say what exactly did he say unseen arkham prisoner isn't that just terrible them raining on your parade like that what is it they say you're one day one day you're on top the next you're a clown well let me tell you there are worse things to be and riddler asks who are you well that's the question isn't it riddle me this the less of them you have the more one is worth and the riddler whispers a friend and then you have them both laughing there and i think it's confirmed now that that is the joker mm-hmm. have, we, have, have we seen like has batman seen this guy I, I feel you get kind of the sense that they've interacted before you know i mean how else did he end up in arkham i feel like uh if if yeah, he right? ended up in arkham it's got to be batman right right if you've seen eternals the actor who plays that unseen prisoner is the actor for, oh, I'm blanking on the name. Barry. Yes. Yes. Barry Keong, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Um, He's a fantastic actor. I don't know that I see him as the Joker, but I mean, I mean, and that goes into another thing with current day and just leaked news is because this leaked months ago that he would be appearing as the Joker in this movie. And his appearance is so secretive and you don't even see his face. You can't even tell that that's that actor. And yeah. the fact that this leaked, it's like it gets me a little worried for just the future of big reveals. Because not that this was the biggest reveal in the movie, but the fact that this was out there. I didn't hear anything about this before. This was yeah, all I didn't hear anything either. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, well, uh, I, I definitely heard it. I definitely <laughs> heard it. <laughs> yeah, that's been a big problem with uh, mm-hmm. uh, big uh, comic book movies recently because even with no way home yeah uh, it's been it was known for a long time that the spoiler alert are all gonna be in. oh spoiler <laughs> well lo- known for a long time yeah. uh, there's like posters and stuff now with all yeah who, who haven't <laughs> seen no way home yeah if you're <laughs> still worried you about it it's been out for like three months now yeah right yeah, yeah. Oh, my, yeah. 
No, yeah, I'm with you. But I, I think if we had to pick one villain, and I'll start with you, Albert. If you had to pick one villain to see in the future of Batman, because uh, Matt Reeves has said, I mean, we put this in here, but Joker isn't technically guaranteed to be the next villain. So if you could have one villain that you'd like to see on screen in the future, what would it be? Hmm. I know there's it's, a lot to yeah, choose from. Yeah. The, the fact. The fact that it's Batman and his rogue gallery is so extensive, it's hard. Especially because I, I want it to be somebody who I haven't seen before. Mm. Um, but they, they've done all the heavy hitters, and they've done it so well. Especially in the uh, Nolan trilogy. But I... Since we had somebody who matched, almost matched Bruce on an intellectual level in this movie, I would not be mad if we saw one... Um, that match them on like a physical level and skill level fighting wise. So that could either be done in a death stroke way or, uh, or having Bane, which would be awesome because we haven't seen a live action death stroke, but nope. in, I mean, in the I, Arrowverse we have, but Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that not was actually done pretty well. Not too bad. No, exactly. Um, but so I, I think my answer would be Deathstroke, but I don't know necessarily if that's the best way or best one to have. And I, I think of that way. I think that way because of the storyline. Um, I'm trying to think of it as a as a full on story within mm. three movies. I don't see how he fits super well. Well, if uh, they uh, if they brought a, a Robin or a, a, a Nightwing even, even, that would be sick. And that's isn't Deathstroke a huge part of um, like the end of of Robin? That could be a huge that could be even just a sequel movie is uh, Deathstroke comes up. So does so does Robin slash Nightwing, whatever way they want to go with. Yeah. And then um, Deathstroke kills Robin slash Nightwing. Then they go on to the third movie where he's just still going after Deathstroke. That could be the trilogy right there. Mm. All right. Well, you know, there, there goes my answer. I, well, <laughs> okay. I think I'd love to see Deathstroke. OK. All right. I think it would be a little strange to have Robin or Nightwing in the second Batman film yeah. just right there. I mean, you could do yeah. it with time jumps. But, uh, Micah, if there was a villain that you could see in Batman 2, who would it be? I think they should go obscure and pull uh, what they did with Riddler slash Joker and Heath Ledger Joker. I think if they go back and they they find this super obscure deep cut villain that nobody knows about, like, like oh, there's someone all, all, yeah, Egghead or, or <laughs> Mad Hatter. What if they have Mad Clay, Hatter? Give me Clayface. <laughs> yeah, Clayface Ooh, or Clayface would be cool. good. Yeah. yeah, or Man Bat. Man Bat would be sick. Mm. Mm, yeah. Um, okay. I'm just thinking of of Lego Batman game and the the obscure <laughs> villains they had in those. Mothman. Poison Ivy. Poison. If they had Poison Ivy, that'd be cool. Um, because we've only had really Catwoman. I think there was. Poison Ivy and one of the Batmans for the Batman old Batman and Robin, man. Batman and Robin had Poison <laughs> yeah. Ivy, yeah. Uh, if they did justice to Poison Ivy, that'd be cool. Um, I don't think they should do Two-Face again. Any of the ones from Dark Knight, I think they're pretty much covered. Yeah. Well, if you could pick one, Micah, who would you I want to see above all? I'm going to go with... I said Man Bat earlier as a joke, but yeah. like, if they did oh, Man yeah. Bat, that would be sick. Like. Yeah. Because that that would match the complete opposite of of Batman. Like that's <laughs> name and everything. <laughs> it would be a good foil. And Man Bat story, if you've seen the animated series, that that's where I pull from. But he's this scientist who literally, like, if it, it's Batman, but he turns into a bat. 
So yeah. I think it would pose like a great because he's smart, but then he turns into this animal. So that could mm-hmm. that could be that could do really well. Nick, if there's one villain that you could see, or maybe there's a, a bunch of them, a part of a team, but if there's one villain that you could see in Batman 2, who would it be? Yeah, so I have kind of been thinking about this for a long time, just like what villains I want to see in live action. And I think that, so there's kind of two that I would, that I would go for. The first that I think would probably be the first one I would want to see would be Scarecrow. And I think like we've seen him in, um, in Batman Begins. We kind of saw his character already. But I think that Scarecrow is like a super underrated Batman villain. Mm-hmm. And I think that like he, his relationship to Batman being like, he basically is the opposite of Batman, right? Because Batman, um, he, he, tries to use fear to kind of scare people and like create order, right? But Scarecrow uses fear to commit crime. So I think that that would be such a, a good character to have like in a, as a bigger role, I guess, in the live action. And I think that in this universe, it would be such a great, like it would fit really well in with the universe that we've created, right? This mm-hmm. dark Gotham and kind of like going into that city and how that's been developed. And I think that being an underrated character, I think that Scarecrow would be a great, um, character to put in this universe and then another one that i think also would be kind of good i know you said one but this one i think would be a good one as well um would be uh, mr freeze yes. i think that he, yeah, he has yeah so in the comics he has like no major storylines really like at all but he is one of the i think one of the most compelling batman villains just because of his story like because he he basically does what he does to save his wife right oh yeah and the probably the best like mr freeze story ever was in the animated the greatest Mr. Freeze, better than anything that was ever done in the comics. So I think that um, he's he's done such an injustice, like of being such a such a like a deep character that it would be great to see him kind of have a like a good a good story and a deep story that is more like more mainstream, I guess, versus like just having a few episodes in the animated series and then nothing really in the comics. He's kind of been overshadowed. So I think Scarecrow would probably be my biggest, and then Mr. Freeze also would be. I think would be great. Let's hope mm. they bring back Arnold for Mr. Freeze. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, chill. Freeze. <laughs> we got to watch that movie all as a group because that oh, is yeah. a great group watch film. It's so, like, hilariously <laughs> bad that you go leaving it. You're like, I actually had a great time watching it, even though it's so bad and they butcher, like, everything. <laughs> it's pretty it's, – it's, it's good. But Mr. Wentzloff, one villain. Yes. For the next I'll keep this Batman. short because we've been going for a long time already. But hey, that's I would great. love to, I would love to see Two Face again. I just think that is such a fun villain, mm-hmm. and just everything with uh, heads and tails and stuff, the coin and just the two sides of him, I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think in this world he could really fit. But I mean, uh, since I'll go off someone who hasn't been in a movie yet is uh, I'll do Killer Croc. Seeing Killer him. Croc would be awesome. Yeah, I Wait. think that would be really cool. Seeing Batman fight toe to toe with the yes. Killer Croc. That yeah. would fit in with your Albert, your uh, your the physical part of it. You know, yeah. it would be a significant challenge for him. That's for sure. A great answers, boys. I love it. I love it. Now we come to the very end, and this question you've been mulling over. We just saw the Batman. There are a lot of Batman films out there, and I think we've had a favorite for a long time. You know, you, you have Ethan talking about Dark Knight stands. I think everyone pretty much is. But what is your favorite Batman film? Ethan, we'll start with you. Yes. Your favorite film. All right. So saw the Batman early screening on Tuesday. Then on uh, Thursday, I watched The Dark Knight again. 
And uh, I watched Batman Begins before I saw the Batman. So as of right now, the Batman, it's still recent. It's hard to say. But as as of right now, the Batman, I have ranked my third favorite because Mm. I think Batman Begins is so underrated. And just I I really love the Bruce side character and seeing the uh, the public figure aspect is you have to publicly make yourself look like a douche. Like he has to make Mm. Bruce Wayne in those movies like. If you're just from outside perspective, you're looking in at Bruce Wayne, you're like, man, that guy sucks. What a rich snob. I mm-hmm. hate that guy. And that's really part of the sacrifice of Batman is he has to make his public persona uh, look so bad. And then, of course, I have The Dark Knight number one still. I rewatch that. And just if you're questioning it, just rewatch the last hour of that movie. I mean, watch the whole movie, of course, but the last hour of that movie is just spectacular you have the the fairy stuff going on you have batman and joker and then you have two-face with the gordons is it's all just so good and the way it's interconnected and really as a batman movie batman begins is my favorite but as a movie movie dark knight is my favorite because the villains in that movie are just so great Mm. yeah that's a great answer i I think you may have the popular opinion here, but let's see. Mr. Duna, your favorite Batman film. And I like what you did, Ethan, by putting the Batman in your ranking. But where would you put Batman and what is your favorite Batman film? I've thought about this a good good amount of time. I would have to put the Batman second. Um, And the, the margin in between these two movies, I couldn't stress enough, is so close. Yeah. It's so freaking close. It would have to be second. And to what Ethan said, I'm just going to throw it in there because I, I appreciate you um, paying homage to Batman Begins and addressing how it doesn't get enough enough credit. Love that movie. That's third for me. Very close to the Batman. But favorite Batman film would have to be The Dark Knight. And it, I'm still hopeful for Robert Pattinson because, again, it took, it took two movies, right, for for Batman. For the for the Dark Knight, or for Nolan, sorry, to come up with the best Batman movie any of us have, have ever seen, it's for a very long time, right? That was that's his second movie, not the first one, but the second. So I'm looking forward to what what Pattinson does is in the future, because Nolan didn't get it off the first try. Um, so I'm still hopeful, mm-hmm. and I'm still still looking forward to see a movie surpass that, because I mean, why wouldn't I want to see the best iteration of Batman we could ever have, right? Mm. Absolutely. Mr. Hat, your favorite Batman film? All right. Well, big surprise. Number one is Dark Knight. Um, you guys have pretty much touched everything. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Joker, Two-Face, you know, what, what's not to love there? Uh, second is not the Batman, though. Um, I, mm. I'm i torn between Rises and Begins for that one. Mm. Um, and then, uh, so... I, I guess I'll go with I'll go with begins and but I I hate myself for doing that. All right, we'll do rises. We'll do rises second. And then we'll actually put uh yeah, we'll we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll, we'll do Dark Knight Rises Batman 89. Oh. I no way. I love that movie. Jack wow. Nicholson Joker is one of my favorite jokers. So When was your latest rewatch of that? My last rewatch of Batman 89 was I watched it 
It's been a while. Uh, like junior year. Junior watch year it again. Couple watch couple it. years ago. I will watch it again. I will watch it again. But I love I love it. It's 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 as close to classic Batman while still having because Tim Burton, uh, his his directing and um with the with the the soundtrack and the you know all the whole the movie as a whole I I just love so much and then fourth place um I gotta go with the Batman mm. um but then that knocks down Batman Begins the fifth I, I don't know I'm still I'm still getting it down like uh, but just this whole debate is crazy because there have been so many spectacular Batman films it's yeah. I don't care what you put up top as long as it's not Batman and Robin yeah you know? <laughs> And then, uh, but the Batman might go up because we didn't talk about it, but there's an ARG going on, an, aug- an augmented reality game with the Batman, or if you go to ratalata.com, um, it says, and it's gone up a couple percents within this podcast. Uh, it was at 28%. Now we're at 31% for, um, some countdown. We don't know what it is yet, but, um, there's been, uh, we've got the whole alphabet coded out now with, with, uh, the one in the movie and we've got. A whole uh, message and all this fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing if we have to watch Batman, the Batman again to see if there's something with this augmented reality game that we missed. Mm. So uh, that, yeah, could, whole, that could boost The whole marketing campaign leading up to the movie was brilliant. And just, yeah, all this extra stuff is just so fun. Yeah. Indeed. I, that, that's very shocking. I, 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 it is surprising that you put the batman underneath batman 89 but hey, listen i respect <laughs> it you you've laid out your reasons and i respect it because of the hype right now uh, okay once, all right once the hype dies down and i it's kind of like with no way home you, you guys right. can put it number cool. one right away for spider-man movies but you you you'll let it cool for a sec and then yeah. uh because i've only seen it once too i haven't seen it right. twice yeah. um and i did feel it was a little long i love long comic book movies i love mm. uh Spider- no way home was through two and a half hours Endgame was three hours uh, Infinity War was what two and a half, something like that, yep. two forty-five, mm-hmm. and it, it fits right up there with the long comic book movies. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, well with still right. haven't seen Snyder just like though. <laughs> with time, I think it might even drop underneath Batman Begins for me, but we'll we'll have to see. Because um, mm. I'm Ethan's got me contemplating Batman Begins and how much I love that movie. So I know that's the problem. Hard. Nolan's trilogy is so iconic. Nick, oh, it's so Nick, good. Yeah. After seeing. The Batman. Come on. What, what What's your favorite film? So my favorite Batman movie still is The Dark Knight. Um, so I watched, to preface this, I have not seen the old ones from like the 80s and 90s, so I can't like rank those. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken the time to watch them. I hopefully will one day. But um, I watched The Dark Knight last Saturday before I went and saw Batman on Tuesday. Then I saw The Batman again on Friday. And I think The, ba- the Dark Knight is still my favorite. I think that I would have to put The Batman as a close second. I mean, I I do agree. The uh, Dark Knight or Batman Begins is super underrated. Um, I think that's probably third. But uh, I think the thing for me that I've been thinking about over the past few days that pushes the Dark Knight over the edge is like the performance from Heath Ledger. Because I think that the 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 Batman is an amazing Batman movie. It's so like it's a great story. Detective, um, the combat, like everything is so good about it. The world building, it's amazing. But I think that the the performance of Heath Ledger just kind of like pushes the Dark Knight over the edge for me, and it, it's such a big part of the movie that I think like like the, all the performances in the Batman were great, but I think that it's such a big part of the movie that it it makes it 
pushes it over the edge and kind of makes it that much better. So I think I'd say Dark Knight number one, the Batman would be close second number two. Very good. Very good answers, gentlemen. I would have to agree with Nick and Albert uh, saying that the Batman is close second to the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight's been so, like, influential in my life just as a kid. Like, I yep. used to, like, idolize this movie. Like, I dressed up in, sp- like, spray, I put paint all over my face like the Joker. I used to do the stupid Joker monologues. Like, I've memorized, <laughs> yeah, no. I've memorized uh, both of his <laughs> You know, you want to know how I got these scars? Like, I I, I was so My into that father. movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, it has such a, an important – it's such an important part of my life. And where you talked about nostalgia clouding your viewpoint. I mean, maybe it does for me, but Dark Knight's still number one. But this Here's is totally thing. a close second. Yeah, maybe it does yeah. for 89 for me. You too. know, <laughs> although, although nostalgia clouds judgment, in this sense – yeah, in many instances, nostalgia, I believe, clouds judgment. In this one in particular – I don't think it does, mm. and, and I'll give I'll give the Dark Knight that, and I think it deserves that because, again, you guys this is you guys have just seen this, um, and then you watch the Batman, so it's it's fresh in comparison. Yeah, and you still give it the edge, which I think it deserves. Yeah, I mean, right. I, and when I was watching the Dark Knight last weekend, like five minutes in the movie, I was smiling, and the entirety of the movie, I just like grinning the whole time because of how oh. good it was, and that like there's a good movie does that to you. Like you're just enjoying, like right from the yeah. get go, you love it so much. And yes. that's like why, that's I think another thing that makes it so good. Like with that movie is Heath Ledger's performance is so next level that you forget how good the other performances are in there. Like Aaron Eckhart as uh, Two-Face, Harvey Dent is, he's so great in that movie. And uh, Michael Caine, of course, love yeah, him. And I mean, you got to give Christian Bale the credit he deserves too. Yep. Yeah. It's just it's a Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, they are a that's a star-studded cast who just every day showed up and hit home runs. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. We've been going for just uh, about two hours. Albert, what do you have on your time limit for how long you've been in the call? Because I think you you uh, joined the last. Mm-hmm. It's an hour forty-eight right now. Hour 48. All right. Well, that's probably what it's going to be closest to. But we've been talking this movie. I think we've talked it to death. You guys have given some absolutely great answers. I want to thank you guys for coming on here. Me and Ethan really appreciate it. I know that this has been this has been very, very enjoyable for me, especially. And Ben, I don't know if you want to cue the people listening in on what our new format is and what we'll be tackling next. Yes, on the podcast. Absolutely. So if you're still if you're still listening, um, <laughs> past an hour forty eight minutes, what we are going to be doing from now on is switching things up. We're not going to be reviewing episodes that come out weekly. We're going to be reviewing things as a whole. So when a full season of television comes out, we're going to be reviewing that television season as a whole. And during those off weeks when there's not something new that's coming out like the Batman, we are going to be reviewing every single Marvel film that has ever been to theaters. And that would mean that next week, uh, or maybe, yeah, next week when this is Howard out, the Duck, boy. Howard the Duck. <laughs> no way. No way, Howard, really? <laughs> Howard the Duck will be the first film that will be released. And then we go into Blade, X-Men, Spider-Man, all those niche Marvel films that have come out before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We'll be going through those as well. But I think we're going to be just we're going to be tackling something that I, I don't know if I've ever seen before, you know, and uh, just <laughs> to give you guys a little tease as me and Ben watched the first minute of Howard the Duck together <laughs> on Wednesday. And holy cow, um, we start with the twin sons of Tatooine. 
and <laughs> dude. <laughs> I just don't even know what to expect. I've never yeah, seen George this Lucas, movie. right? Yeah, <laughs> I've never seen this movie, and I'm excited to do this with everyone. So, yeah, if you guys uh, listening want to join us on this journey, just uh, watch Howard the Duck this week and then listen to us talk about it. Are you guys doing, uh, like, Kingsman and Watchmen, too? Kingsman, Watchmen, I believe, is a DC property, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not oh, so okay. sure what Kingsman is, but Kingsman I Kingsman is so. uh, Marvel published. It's not like Oh, Marvel. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like how the I, Star Wars I, comics yeah. are Marvel published, but that's a different that's a different thing. Got it. No, yeah. I don't think we're going to be covering Kingsman. Yeah. I think those first few are like there was a few misses, but largely they've had pretty good hits. We're not going to be covering any of the serial made for TV films like the Captain America and Incredible Hulk <laughs> movies like that. But yeah, we're going to be doing that one first, but uh that's what's coming in the future, and we're really excited for it. Um, but anyway, gentlemen, I thank you for your time. You've given us two hours of excellent, excellent content, and uh, we really appreciate it. So uh, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wetzlaff. Signing off. We hope you all have an absolutely fantastic day.